We've tried everything to get Douglas talking again. We play him clips from his favorite movies. Well, I, I don't know why you'd say that, but, you know, when you've been scribbling as long as I have, I guess, you know, sometimes you, you take some liberties with the truth. <laughs> you know, that story was like a chicken bone stuck in my throat. I just had to get it out. Well, <laughs> there you go again. Sounds of nature. His old saxophone. His favorite poet. The rude owl cried like a telltale tit. I skipped in a blush as the big girls rose. Nineteen down on the donkey's common. And on Cecil Sunday nights I wooed whoever I would with my wicked eyes. But he remained silent and stoic as a stone. Our friend Mr. Douglas Day is, how shall I say it, concerned about the present conditions of the universe. There are forces of good and there are forces of evil. That's right, Nigel. I wish it were so easy to get the old chap chirping again. A buzz comes to the studio door. Who could that be? Nigel hits the intercom. Hello, this is Nigel. What's your business? Well, I got an order slip right here. Half a dozen Welsh cakes, easy on the sugar, and five elderberry... That would be me. Hallelujah. Our master has unmuted himself. Nigel, Maltima, Mr. Ross, Henrietta. Can I interest you in a Welsh cake, light on the sugar, washed down with an elderberry tea? Yes, please, Douglas. Yes, please, sir. Absolutely, Douglas. Why ever not, said the spider to the fly. Cheers, love. Splendid. How much do I owe you, my good man? Oh, it's already paid for, Mr. Day. It is? By whom? Who, pray tell, is my magwitch? That I couldn't tell you. Nigel? Yes, sir. Tip this man handsomely. Yes, sir. Fine and dandy. Where, when, and why we here, huh? If not to deliver thrills, chills, spills, and rills... This episode of Books Not brought to you by the fine people of Nutra Self, 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 and the Twelve Steps to Natural Gardening by Al Crowter. Let us be kind to our leaves, Jeeves, and leave them where they lay, or at least distribute them strategically about the premises to the insectoids. A cornerstone of how and why and if we survive as a human race, people. Do the right thing and leave your leaves and no more plastic and no more pesticides. Compost tea, people. Rain gardens. Pollinator plants. Ban all pesticides, people. Mortimer? Yes, Douglas? I find myself in the mood for dancing. What can you throw on the hi-fi to get my tootsies talking? 
I've got just the piece to get you dancing, Douglas. I'm sure you do, you dazzling, dizzy rascal, you. Now hit me with your rhythm stick. Will do, Douglas. Next up, leave the party by the inimitable siren of Los Angeles, Mia Folick. Say is wow. Thank you, Maltima. Thank you, Mia Folick and her bandmates who brought us the rollicking song, Leave the Party. Mia, just for the record, you had each and every one of us, including Maltima, cutting the rug like a bevy of beautiful, benevolent, boisterous banshees. Up next, a poem from our resident poet and beekeeper extraordinaire, Nigel Lewis. Stevenson. Thank you, Douglas. This is a poem from my New Mexico series entitled Navajo Sunday. The collar pulled out and into something down in my arm. The dog let loose the collar for what was once my arm. The tree fell, the car backed up. A leaf whispered slowly like a muscle in a shell. The time together waned and shot up like yellow moon. Navajo. Indian. Healing process. 
All together what we wanted, when we wanted, if we wanted, yes. In the corner the Navajo whispered. All the kids wanted to know the time. The teepee hung strung out towards daybreak. Light came in with the serving of corn. Soup, some kind of soup, corn, lamb, mixed in together, downtime in the way of the sweat lodge. Dogs come howling all the time. The rocks are heavy, hot, and glowing. Woman next to me praying for another. Woman principal of the school with big responsibility. Time in, time again in the lodge, looking for the light, afraid of darkness and the echo of the drum. Truck pull up, pulled up outside, and the many colors gallop on a Sunday when no one has insurance. But down the street I see another pawn shop, relics, feathers, prayer tobacco. Next door to that I see another pawn shop. Inside bell rings, man behind the counter looking up and taking pictures of the damage that's been done. Outside more than people walking. Two eyes, donkeys, mules, several mares. What do you come down to gallop for if you don't come down for gold? Strict knees, wasting, tumbled barbed wire on the door. Thank you, Nigel, Lewis, Stevenson. Mr. Ross, what did you think of Nigel's poetry? I liked it, Douglas. I always liked Nigel's poetry. More specific? Well, his use of time and place and sound and taste, the imagery of the soup, the old woman, and one of my favorite lines, um, the TP hung strung out towards daybreak. I love the internal rhyme there combined with the personification. Thank you, sir. Thanks again to our resident poet and beekeeper extraordinaire, Mr. Nigel Lewis Stevenson. Thank you, sir. Mr. Ross, it has been some time. Please briefly remind our listeners of the contents of your play. Sure, Douglas. The play is called The Keeper's House, and it takes place on the banks of the Hudson River on a wooded area of Dobbs Ferry, New York, called the Wicker Woods where a group of homeless naturalists are squatting in homemade shacks battling developers who are aiming to construct a corporate campus for the pharmaceutical company NutraSelf. Be who you always wanted to be. Feel like you've always wanted to feel with NutraSelf, self, 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 self. Somewhat odd that you're included one of our sponsors in your play, Mr. Ross. I hope this isn't a conflict of interest, Mr. Ross. It's a free country, Douglas. Indeed. And where are we in the play? Today I'm going to read um, Act 2, Scene 2, and 3. Splendid, Mr. Ross. Before you yam on, Mortimer, what musical selection shall be ushering us out at the end of the show? We shall hear another song by the Los Angeles bass singer Mia Folick entitled Give It To Me. Splendid. Another dance tune, Mortimer? No, sir. This one is more of a power ballad, Douglas. Sure to knock your socks off and make your ears bleed. I look forward to that. Now, Mr. Ross, yam on. Okay, Douglas. Act 2, Scene 2, The Keeper's House. Present day, Knights Inn, Piscataway, New Jersey, Nutrisuff, N-E-R-S-C, Northeast Regional Sales Conference, breakout session in the Raritan Room, founder Westerlord presiding. Title of his session, Own the Mantelpiece, is magic markered on an easel. Twenty or so salespeople sit on padded chairs in a circle around him. Most hold open their sales packets and some take notes as Westerlord speaks. Westerlord. Owning the mantelpiece of our prospects is one of the most important concepts we can master. All the major holidays, particularly Thanksgiving, we want our Nutri-Self greeting cards front and center 
on our client mantelpieces. Westerlord pauses to sip from a bottle of Nutraself. Let us consider the word itself, shall we? Mantelpiece. Anybody want to take a stab at its derivation? Salesperson. British? Westerlord. Correct. Salesperson. Circa 1200, short, loose, sleeveless cloak, circa 1520, movable shelter for soldiers besieging a fort. Westerlord. Precisely. Yet today, we think of a mantelpiece as a sort of shelf girdling our fireplaces, do we not? Yet, yet there was a time when it referred to as a movable, very important here, folks, a movable shelter for soldiers besieging a fort. Am I right? And how ingenious is that? You're out there in medieval times, mind you, besieging a fort, and, and you're plunked down in a shelter taking refuge from flaming arrows and hot grease raining down. And when the going gets too tough, you and your compatriots actually move that shelter as to avoid being shot through with a thousand flaming arrows or scalded beyond recognition with flaming chicken grease. How cool is that? Salesperson. Are you saying the Nutrisoft product is a sort of metaphor for the mantelpiece? Westerlord. Precisely, Pilgrim. What's your name, son? Drummond, sir. Drummond what? Happy Drummond, sir. Westerlord. Approaches Drummond's chair and then shakes the young man's hand vigorously. How long you been with us, son? Drummond checks his watch. About three hours, sir. Westerlord. We got a newbie! Burst of applause and the ringing of a bell erupts from the rest of the room. Westerlord. And what exactly brings you, Mr. Drummond, to Nutraself? Sell, sir. I like to sell. Tell me, Mr. Drummond, what are the four most important words in sales? Always be closing, uh, sir. Four words? Oh, um, get the customer talking. Say again? Get the customer talking. And ding, 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 ding. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a winner here. Get the customer talking. Bingo. We'll be, well, I'll be jiggered. Tell me, Mr. Drummond, why do we want to get the customer talking? Drummond. So we can uncover their needs. That's another bingo. So we can uncover their needs so they can hear themselves say, I need this or I need that. Let me tell you something, salespeople. 98.6% of people remember 98.6% of what they've said. It's not about what you say as the salesperson. It's, about, it's how you get them talking and how you capture and authenticate that matters. I'm not asking you to put words into their heads or into their mouths or into their throats or, you know, resting on their teeth, but I am asking you to guide the process to prick up your ears and get them talking, talking, talking. What's your sport, Mr. Drummond? I'm a golfer, sir. Handicap? About a three, sir. Big man! Three over par, Mr. Drummond. Impressive. Drummond. Thank you, sir. Westerlord turns and gestures to the rest of the room. Let's help this newbie out, people. Come on, say loud and say it proud with me one time. Salespeople, with gusto. Be who you always wanted to be. Feel how you always wanted to feel with Nutraself, self, self, self. Bravo. Right. And that wraps up our session, Owning the Mantelpiece. Time to rotate to your next sessions. Thank you all for your participation. Westerlord motions Mr. Drummond over. Westerlord. Well done, young man. We'll transform you into a Nutraself salesman par excellence in no time, my friend. Drummond. Thank you, sir. Westerlord. I see a bright future for you here at the company, Mr. Drummer. Drummond. Drummond, sir. I, I hope so, sir. No doubt about it. Thank you, sir. Stay close by for the rest of the conference. I dare say I'll teach you a thing or two. Will do, sir. Thank you, sir. Don't mention it. Now run along. Don't want to be late for your next workshop, which is? Um, how soft should the soft sale be, sir? Ah, yes. That's Mr. Watkins' bailiwick. Let me give you a clue. Do not, an OT, raise your hand when he canvasses the room regarding soft-boiled eggs. You get me? 
Got you, sir, and thanks again. Drummond leaves the room as Westerlord smiles and welcome to the next rotation of salespeople. Just as Drummond makes it out the door, he hears Westerlord exclaim, Who can tell me the derivation of the word mantle? End Act 2, Scene 2. Act 2, Scene 3, The Keeper's House. Present day, down in the wicker woods in the Pilgrim's Hut. The old-timer sits in his scavenged Morris chair, his feet up on a scavenged Moroccan leather ottoman. He ruminates while puffing on his pipe. You and camera person sit quietly and listen as he begins to speak. Old-timer. Dobbs Ferry. Looks like it is up to us to save the Wicker Woods. The widow Dornberger said she spied some surveyors in the woods unspooling their surveyors' chains. Ill winds have begun to blow. When I look at these woods, brethren... I see places for the animals to live peaceably, and I see branches where the birds can perch and flowers for the bees to pollinate. He waves his pipe slowly in an arc out towards the river. I see sunshine and applesauce, others see. He leans over in his Morris chair and spits violently into a brass spittoon. Others see a plethora of commodious condominiums, by golly. Where will the animals go, huh? Riddle me that. The old-timer suddenly stands, walks over to the pot-bellied stove, looks inside of it, adds another length of red oak, returns to his chair, and continues. Years ago, when I was downstate in PA, I performed an unofficial survey, and the question was this, what's the secret to life? Best answer I got? Keep breathing. Yes, sir. Keep breathing. And it is true, the widow Dornberger is always twittering away about the sacred breath. He stands. Take a walk with me. Time to ask the three sisters of the Wicker Woods for a bit of a favor. You and camera person follow the old timer out the door and back up into the woods until you come across a clearing in the wigwam of the three sisters. As if on cue, the flap is drawn back and their brindle pitbull lady exits and snuffles the leg of the old timer. Hello, my delightful canine darling. How be you today? The dog responds by rolling over onto her back, exposing her belly for the old timer's tickles. That's my girl. The three sisters, Faith, Hope, and Charity, exit their wigwam. Charity, she loves your loving, old-timer. Well, she should, for it is freely given. Hope, would you like to come in for a cup of tea, Mr. Sneedon? You and camera person follow the old-timer into the center of the wigwam and sit on the hard-packed floor. Let me get right to the point, ladies. On the 23rd of February this year of our Lord, 2019, a community meeting will address the issue of what to do with these very woods we precariously inhabit. At that meeting, I intend to present my vision of a permaculture poetry park that shall be a source of love and joy and transformation. Would you fine ladies agree to perform a pigeon dance at the outset of our meeting in order to catch the eyes of the audience? Faith, hope, and charity. Absolutely, Mr. Sneedon. Old-timer. God bless you from head to toe. I much do appreciate it. One to two minutes at most. A powerful punch to the cerebellum of the committee members serving to open their eyes and to dispel any lies about the feasibility of our plan to save the wicker woods. Faith. We'll do our best, Mr. Sneedon. Old-timer. Splendido. I knew I could count on you, ladies. One more question before we take our leave. What is the secret to life? Faith. Clean water. Hope. Clean air. Charity. Sunshine. The three of you take your leave of the three sisters, paper cups of elderberry tea in hand. The brindle pitbull lady accompanies you to the edge of the clearing, but then retreats to the warmth of her wigwam. 
The old timer stands on a rock promontory overlooking the Hudson River. He swirls his cup and drinks. Old timer, would you look at that river? You, ice flows are heading north, old timer. They'll swing back with the turn of the tide. Well, bless these precious moments of grace, my friend, on this pale blue dot we call home. You, hallelujah. Old timer. Gently inserts empty paper cup into his coat pocket. A red-tailed hawk glides down and, and perches on the limb of the giant red oak. The old timer salutes the bird of prey and then executes an about face. Time to go parley with Matty Wampus. You and camera person follow the old timer through the woods to the wigwam of Chief Matty Wampus. The great chief sits cross-legged before a blazing fire tended by the fire watcher. You take your seats on the hard-packed dirt floor. Matty Wampus. Matty Wampus knows why you are here. So I figured, Matty Wampus. Chief Matty Wampus takes a long drag out of his wooden clay-bowled peace pipe before passing it to the old-timer. Chief Matty Wampus. Matty Wampus has been smoking on it. The old-timer takes a long drag before passing it to you. You take a drag and pass it on to the camera person who hands you the camera while she takes a drag. Chief Matty Wampus. We have before us a situation. Indeed. But I have some encouraging news. Do tell, Matty Wampus. We are in possession of a treaty. We are? Let us counsel the great mother who waits for us in the sweat lodge. The four of you strip down and enter the adjoining sweat lodge. As your eyes adjust to the murky, hot, and pungent air, you spy the glowing eyes of the great mother who sways sweating on the floor. Chief Matty Wampus exchanges a few words with her and she nods gamely. Old timer, does she have the treaty? Matty Wampus, it lies protected underneath the pellet she sits on. The great mother bursts out with a flurry of words. Old timer, she say something about the Dutchman? Matty Wampus, good ears. She said only the Dutchman can argue the case. Only the Dutchman can put the treaty in the proper white man's words. Old timer, and where is the Dutchman? Matty Wampus, the great mother says he's in the Bowery. Doesn't surprise me, as far as I remember, the spitting devil disappeared off the face of the earth after he won the big case. Matty Wampus. The great mother says she will find him. God bless her soul, she's a brave and wise woman. She says only the Dutchman, spite and devil, will do. Well then, God bless him too. A great hush fills the steaming cocoon of the sweat lodge. The great mother stares intently at the glowing orange rocks in the center of the space. You and the camera person, the old-timer, and Matty Wampus follow suit as the sweat drips down your glowing skins. And Act Two, Scene Three. <laughs> So good and sad. 
Fears now. 